from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. You're listening to Behind the Message. teach here at Westside. My name is Evan Earwicker, and I am in studio with Pastor Steve Mickle and Pastor Mike Alexander. Welcome back, guys. Good to be back. Yes. And uh, Steve, uh, you were in Croatia and yeah. Italy for a while. Go Croatia. World yeah. Cup in the finals on Sunday. Uh, it's a big deal. It starts at 7 in the morning. My The first service is at 8.15. Evan, what am I going to do? You know, I have to be at church. We're doing a great little conversation with Bill Mankey, uh, the counselor at water cup and i'm just like oh man but i'm gonna miss we're gonna have it playing in the lounge you know, we, backstage, we have but, we have the technology we could pipe it into the sanctuary in the back wall yeah, during the be, conversation that would be so distracting steve would have all these <laughs> flinching ticks throughout the entire conversation and we'd know what's happening would would you have at least a play-by-play like just text on your phone would you look at that during well during I, the conversation is it even possible you guys i don't think it is for me not to find out that's right. I mean, because I can record it and watch it later, but there's no way I can go an entire morning, especially yeah. how much I pumped Croatia last Someone's weekend. Someone's going to come up to you and congrats or yeah. sorry for your loss. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's just what it is. I'm going to sneak out, probably not attend worship time as often. <laughs> That's a moral dilemma. That's <laughs> a moral dilemma. Well, as the not worship, for me. <laughs> as the worship leader this weekend... I think it's fine. <laughs> nice. It's going to be a base hit as far as worship goes anyway. Oh, yeah. Ooh. So anyway, uh, Steve, I was on vacation this past week and I tried to stay away from my emails, but my phone started blowing up in regards to this past Sunday's Yeah, it did. Message. Mine did too. Mine did too. And the question in everybody's mind is how much pot are you smoking? That is the question. Okay. I <laughs> just, I was, I mean, how many different kinds of pipes are there? I was just like, okay, I have the clip. I want to play the clip just so people know uh, what you said. And then we'll talk about people's takeaway from this clip from this Sounds past good. Sunday. Sounds this good. is you, Steve. Here we go. Okay. I, I've given you negative examples of other people. <laughs> Let me give you one for me. And this is going to be hard for some of you. It's going to be hard for some of you. When my, when my son Chase died, um, we found in the car, it was a car accident, we found in the car um, a pipe. Um, we knew that he, that he um, smoked cigars and whatnot occasionally, and, but we didn't know about the pipe, and we found his pipe. And So after he died, I started smoking his pipe uh, <laughs> once a week or so, and, uh, oh, man. and, I, and, I, and I, I've continued Okay, so that's what you said. Yeah, so I heard a preacher once say, don't blame me for stuff I don't even say. So I never said I smoke marijuana. No, but you said whatnot, and that just opened the whole Pandora's. <laughs> so it's not, it is not a marijuana pipe. I don't even know what that is, but it's not that. It's, it's a t- wooden tobacco pipe like your grandpa smoked. <laughs> okay, but here's the question, because your whole, your whole message, I just listened to it, your whole message was how it's not about what we put into our bodies that Jesus was concerned about. It's what came out of our lives, out of our hearts. That was the emphasis. That was what yeah. was important. Yeah. And you said, and I should have pulled this quote too, but yes. you said, I really don't think Jesus cares oh, about the other stuff. So I'm my getting question- uncomfortable with this podcast. This is the first time <laughs> in the years we've been doing it. My question is, would it matter? Would it matter if it was marijuana? Oh my gosh, Evan, you did not just start with that question. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, okay, this is how I think about marijuana. This is how I think about marijuana. Okay. Um, I think marijuana does the same thing 
physiologically as um, if I was to drink uh, several beers and not able to drive. Shouldn't you not drive after one beer? I'm sorry. I'm just getting into No, but I'm just saying here, in terms of like your, like, you know, I, I believe, yeah, to drunkenness. I do. That's what I compare it to. That's how I see it. You can't smoke one joint and not get high. You can drink one beer and not get drunk. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's how I would answer that question, Evan. But I would also say that based on the teachings of Jesus, um, I'm not saying he doesn't care about whether you smoke pot or not, but he cares more about how you treat each other and treat those who do smoke pot, if you, especially if you don't like, if you think that's wrong. How do you treat people that do? You, do you judge them? And we do. We do. We absolutely judge people who smoke pot, who uh, are in a same-sex relationship, who, I mean, just go, on, just go down through the list. And we absolutely judge them and not love them. So there it is. And part of what you were saying was draw your lines. Don't not have a moral compass. Don't not have standards. But make that your line and don't impose that line on everybody. Yeah. My question, though, is how do we – you're a leader. You're a pastor, obviously. Yeah. How do you <laughs> – For now. <laughs> for at least <laughs> until the next for council meeting. couple days. <laughs> you are. are being drafted as we speak. <laughs> so, so how do you hold up a standard – which by definition is a line and you say this, this is how we should live. Cause if, if you're not saying it, who is saying it? Well, I mean, what is, why do we get so like bent out of shape about this standard thing? Evan? I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm serious. I'm like, live like Jesus, love like Jesus, act like Jesus. There's your standard. Oh, but we've got to break it down into real specifics. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm just kind of tired of that. I'm kind of, I'm just like, man, because like I said in the, in, in the message, I mean, just go to another country and they got another, they got a whole different list. And I mean, we spend so much time trying to figure out what's the standard, what's the standard, and the entire time we're missing the point of loving and living like Jesus. And if we do that, then I actually think our, we'll, you know, we'll have a standard and it'll be a pretty high one, yeah. you know, maybe higher than what we have, actually. But I'd probably have different things on the list than what we have right now. (laughs) I feel like even after this conversation and this weekend, some of the comments I heard, you know, you hear things that hearken towards scriptures like come out from them and be separate, be set apart, be holy, you know, those kinds of things. I I understand those from a theological standpoint. Uh, Again, they're back to a standard that's different counter to the world. You know, he whose friend was the world was an enemy with me, those kinds of things. Um, and it pulls us right into the nit- nitpicky rules. And my observation after several decades of watching that kind of activity around me so much is there's so little fruit. And yet, I am amazed at how much fruit there appears to be in people who lean more towards what you're talking about, be more like Jesus, all these kinds of things. will sort out the details as needed, but be more like Jesus. And there seems like there's so much more fruit. Yeah, there's a lot more fruit. And at the end of the day, we want people, you know, Jesus came to set us free, to help us get reconnected to God. And, um, and I think that's what we want. I don't, I don't need somebody to live by a certain standard and in the process, not really know Jesus. And, and so, and I think that if we can get people to know Jesus, he's going to work with us on the standard stuff. 
we don't have to, we don't have to like, that doesn't need to be what Christianity is about. Christianity should be about connecting you back to the father heart of God, you know, and being loved by him and learning to love him and to love others more. That should be what Christianity is about, not what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do. That's, I don't think Jesus ever intended for his movement to be defined by um, a list of rules and morality mm. and even ethics and, you know, how we, you know, even the stuff that we think is sinful. I mean, I just don't think that's what he, he intended Christianity to be, to be defined as. I think it should be defined as love and everything else flows from that. And that's a goalpost that doesn't move. Love, mm-hmm. the standard of, of Christ's love. Um, he talks about it in, what is it, John 15? Greater love has no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. That is a definitive standard for how we ought to love each other, a sacrificial love. Yep. What does move and where the goalposts do move generation to generation, as you talked about. Culture to culture. Culture to culture is these ethics, these morals. Uh, I thought of a conversation, Mike, with your wife, Kim, about your wedding and how uh, there was no uh, alcohol, which was the same at my wedding, probably the same at yours. Same, same at ours. Uh, no dancing allowed. Yep. Um, which was, we barely had dancing, but we knew it would deeply offend a lot of our families. So we kind of didn't. It was like this. Au- <laughs> so it's really awkward. Yeah. But if you've ever seen me dance, it's good to not allow dancing. <laughs> Maybe that's, there's always the silver lining in the, uh, uh, but the, the thing is how quickly do our, what mm. people consider good Christian living that changes so quickly. Uh, what a fruitless game to try to measure up to the ethics of the moment. Yeah, and we fight these battles, these ethical battles, rather than um, fighting for love and letting mm. love then become the predeterminer for our behavior. Because um, I guarantee you that that every single person will be challenged in how they live when they are confronted with the love of Jesus. It, it, will, it will change, dramatically change how they treat one another, the things that they choose to do and choose not to do. And, and that's, and I just, I'm trying to get our church to take our eyes off of the, the lists and the rules and get it back on the love of Jesus and the agape love, the sacrificial love, the unconditional love, the, the love that, you know, you put your, you put your life down first um, so anyway, that's, yeah. And it did get a lot of conversation and I'm really glad about that. And it was not about, I mean, the pot, whatever. I mean, actually people thought I did it on purpose. They thought I left it amb- ambiguous on purpose to even push people further in, in their, in this whole issue and discussion. Hmm. And I didn't, it wasn't on purpose, but it, but it's interesting that, um, I mean, and the majority of our church, Evan was really cool because it, I didn't, we didn't get a ton of like, really like, you know, Steve needs to be, you know, reprimanded. None of that. It was really about, um, is he okay? Is is he been smoking pot for two years? I mean, because if he's if his grief is that deep and he felt like he needed to do that, we should like, you know, make sure he's okay. That it was it was a response of love that came from people. That I mean, that right there. I mean, can you imagine a pastor nowadays saying they smoke pot and the kind of judgment judgment that would come upon them from their church? even though that's not what I said. <laughs> and yet the response of people that thought that's what I meant was so loving. Yeah. It was so non-judgmental. And I was like, I just want, I just want to give our church a high five, you know, and like, come on, let's keep doing that. You just know? want to give the church a hang loose. <laughs> yeah. A really chill hang loose. And just, <laughs> yeah, bro. Uh, in the church, I was, I was thinking about 
saying those things and how in the church, the different opinions about something like marijuana or even tobacco and how that hits somebody who has no problem with what other people would consider major vices and just how you teach through that. And how did Jesus teach through that when he's teaching to a mixed crowd, some very orthodox, very religious, and some that are just like normal, not religious people. And yet his words hit everybody differently. Is he going for the same effect with everyone or is he masterfully uh, kind of addressing different things with different people. You know yeah, what I'm saying? It's really amazing, Evan, to look at the teaching of Jesus and to see how his the same words that he spoke to to a crowd um, could be taken differently, whether you were religious um, oriented, whether you were broken, whether you were living in sin, you know, like the prostitutes that he that he had com- communication with. Everybody took his teachings in, in a way that I think the Holy Spirit meant them to take it and um and i i i just think i saw that this last sunday where people were everybody was stirred everybody was stirred and i even prayed at the, at the very beginning of my prayer that everybody be offended and and i really mm-hmm. wanted that mm-hmm. i want my i want to be offended i want jesus to offend me i wanted jesus to offend my moral senses i want jesus to offend my religiousness i want him to uh-huh. I, want, I want there if there's any anything that is off from his way of love then Man, I want him to point it out. And I would say that I'm not lowering a standard. I mean, we've got to have standards. I'm going to talk to the young adults on Tuesday about this. We've got to have standards. We've got to have a high and strong moral compass. Our world needs it. It really does. We're better people for it. Um, but when we start making that dependent on our relationship with God, um, that's when it gets tricky. Yeah, one one thing I've I've been curious to see how much it would or wouldn't come up was okay when you get to that we should have a standard and okay so it's my standard my list you talked about that idea um, how do I come up with that is it just well it's just my gut or it was how I was raised or you know whatever and I've been curious to know I'd been, love to know what you guys think about what's the role of the Holy Spirit especially when we think of him being described as the convictor and some of these things through Scripture what's his role in helping us sort that out one personally and then two corporately. Well, it's amazing, Mike, that we completely leave him out of this discussion. Yeah. We do. And when we talk about our lists of right and wrong, nobody ever talks about what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's What's right for you and what's wrong for you? Well... You know, we love to take Old Testament scriptures particularly and and come up with the list. What what happened to the Holy Spirit? That I mean, he lives with us. Jesus gave and he and Jesus said and he will guide you into all truth. Yeah. And so why aren't we more dependent on him in our personal lives, letting him be our conscience, letting him guide and direct our behavior, letting him convict us of sin? You know, where, yeah. where, and so I, I completely agree, Mike. I think we have to put more, more attention on our uh, growing um, relationship with the Holy Spirit because He is the one that will convict us. Man, I, all I ever feel from somebody that quotes some chapter and verse is judgment. Yeah. But when the Holy Spirit hmm. whispers something into my soul, it goes straight to the heart, man. It goes right through. It goes right through all of my, all of my defenses. You know, true. Um, and so, why why don't we focus more on developing, help, helping people develop a vibrant relationship with the Holy Spirit, and and then can't we assume, yeah, based on Scripture, even right, that our standards will be as high as we want them to be? You know, because He is the one uh, that's doing the convicting. Yeah, I think of a 
scripture, I think it's in First Peter, where he says we're partakers of the new covenant, not of the letter that kills, but of the spirit that gives life. And so, what we have is the uh, comparison between the law, the rules, the list, right? And our knowledge of that list is what gives us our standards versus now Peter's saying, now you're in a new covenant. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's mm-hmm. past. The new covenant is of the spirit that gives life and spirit speaks to spirit, right? It's, it's a, it's a communion, a communication between my spirit and the Holy spirit that now gives me a new list. Um, and what we seems like we want to do and what you've been teaching is we want to drag the old letter along with us as we try to walk in the spirit and they're incompatible. They're not, they don't work together. It's not like the law and the spirit are now buddies. He's saying that was the old mm-hmm. covenant. Now you're in a new one and there's going to be a new list. Yeah. Let's take the first murder in the Bible recorded. Cain kills his brother, Abel. What would have stopped Cain from killing his brother? It was a really strong list. Oh, they didn't have the Ten Commandments yet. No. That's what it was. Uh, but we even find that once they got the Ten Commandments, they still broke them. So what would have caused Cain to not kill Abel? The Spirit of God living in him and him having a vibrant relate. That's what God was after. That's why he t- made a, such a big deal about sacrifice and the kind of sacrifice. What was coming out of hmm. Cain's heart for God. Yeah. That's what he highlighted, yeah. you know. And what would have stopped him? Well, it was what his parents had in the garden, which was mm. every evening the Lord would come and walk with them. And it was, it was Intimacy with Christ. And that mm. relationship, right? And so now the Holy Spirit brings us back into that. He says, come on. you can come Preach back it, and step back Preach in. <laughs> that's right. To life. Yeah. That's right. And I, that, that's what we need. We need, that, we need a revolution in this regard in the Church of America, in my opinion. Because we are we are losing. I mean, we're just we're just not part of the conversation anymore. And I'll tell you, I got so many I got so many emails and texts and and not tweets because they don't tweet, but they but you know posts from on Instagram and Facebook from young people in their twenties saying how refreshing and how how they've longed to hear uh, what what I think the Holy Spirit said on Sunday and and that. And I think that the generation that, that are in their 20s are hungry. They're mm. hungry for a revolution in uh, how we think about religion mm. and Christianity specifically. I think they're, I think they're hungry for uh, less of the conflicted set of beliefs because on one hand, there's something deep, deep inside that, that so compels them towards God, towards relationship with God, uh, their spiritual aspect of their life, all those kinds of things. And yet, some of these old patterns, habits, whatever you want to call it, you know, lists, all that kind of stuff, so incongruent with the love and the grace of God that we, we think of, and, and, and they feel so torn. And I, you see it with even some of the younger generation where they just go, I don't want to deal with this. And I think it is what causes people to go, religion's just destructive. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, when we do it this way, it, it, it is. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, but, re- but true religion, I think it's James who talks about yeah. true religion, is when, I mean, when you, you're like helping the poor and serving the needs of your world and the love of Jesus, in other words, is being shown through you. That's true religion. And that's, that's what Jesus was after. What, what do you say? Because some would probably listen to you in, through this series and say, it's just, he's just aligning with a more liberal stance. Uh, what's your response to that, that this is just kind of a more of a, a political ideology that you are lining up with as opposed to reinterpreting scripture or taking something new from the teachings of Jesus? Yeah, it's a great question, Evan. Um, I would just say read Jesus. And if you want to look at Jesus 
politically on the conservative or liberal, you know, um, a view of, you know, just on a, if it's on a continuum and was Jesus more conservative or more liberal, um, it would be an interesting study for those who, who like <laughs> to label people as conservative or liberal, go ahead and do that study. Uh, on your own to determine whether he was just t- t- take the gospels um, out out of the Bible in a sense and just read those. Don't read Paul's interpretation of it. Don't you know? Just kind of take Jesus on his own in a sense and read him, look at his life and just see you know where would he land. And and for me, as I've done that, um, he doesn't land on in, on the scale. He's not conservative and liberal. He's he is. He is yeah. who he is, and um, and I. That's all I'm trying to do is I'm. I just want to try to emulate in my own life, which I do fail all the time. But and and then try to communicate with the church how I perceive the life and love of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if people want to say, well, that's a liberal gospel, I, I don't. I don't even. I don't know what that really even means anymore. Um, I just want to. I just want to see Jesus, and I don't want it get complicated by. Well, is it a conservative gospel or is it a liberal gospel? I don't. I mean, I don't know. It's Jesus. I hope it's the gospel of Jesus. That's what I hope it is. And and I, I'm continuing. I'm always asking. Am I? I'm asking the Lord. I'm asking the Holy Spirit. I'm asking guys like you. I'm asking our speaking team. Is there any point where? I mean, if I'm ever like preaching another gospel and somebody slapped me, you know, somebody stopped me, Holy Spirit first and foremost. And then the team, somebody tell me because, um, I don't want to misrepresent Jesus. I will misrepresent the traditional church all day long Mm -hmm. because I don't want to be associated. I don't want to be associated with some parts of the evangelical movement today. I want to be associated full on with the way of Jesus. As I was listening to the recording of Sunday, you could hear the crowd more than sometimes. Maybe they were louder than normal or the mics were set up different or something, but you could totally hear uh, the responses of the crowd. And you could tell, even from the recording, um, you, were, you were poking things that we don't usually poke. You were stirring up things. And, and I, I can guarantee the conversations have been many since you preached this because just listening to it, you're like, oh, wow, he went there. I mean, I, the, best, the best moment for, the, for me was when I, when I said that, that uh, The Bachelor and Bachelorette are morally oh, yeah. reprehensible. Yep, yep. Oh, my gosh. The crowd the, turned on you. The crowd, half of them did, Mike, and then half of them, I think, were with me. You're right. You know, yeah, I think it right. was just a really funny to see our church. Like, there's people, you know, and just cut right down the middle, man. And, uh, and it was just great to see that because it's, it gets people talking um, and interacting. And even now, I mean, I, I can't remember the last time I preached a message people were still talking about five days later. I mean, come on. It's a miracle. <laughs> it's a miracle. <laughs> I need to be more ambiguous in, <laughs> in all of my messages. <laughs> Jesus was, that's uh, the, that's the deal right there. Jesus was so ambiguous. He was like, you even say things and then like drop the mic and walk off and not explain them, you know? Yeah. And that's a lot of what this series has been about the subversive savior series. And, and, and it, I must have caused so much conversation, certainly yeah. among the religious people, they were yeah. like ticked off and their conversation was much more mean, I think, and hate filled. Um, but the disciples, even the disciples, I mean, when Jesus turns to them after a really intense moment and says, are you going to leave me too? And he probably heard him. He probably heard him talking. Mm, you yeah. know, like everybody, like the whole crowd was talking about leaving him and they were probably talking about it. And Jesus says, are you going to leave me too? I mean, conversation is not, we should never be afraid 
of deeper dialogue and yeah. conversation about issues like this as if like like oh no where are we going you know what's going to happen man our moorings are strong held on the way of jesus we're not going to leave that yeah we're not going to leave him and his way and his gospel but we could we could do with some conversations in these other areas I remember when uh, Jesus says he's standing in the temple, he says, I'm going to destroy this temple and rebuild it, which had to just like make people so angry because that's the heart of their religion and everything. And then I don't know how much longer goes, goes by time goes by and he comes back in and he starts overturning tables and here it comes. (laughs) He is talking about poking the bear. I mean, he is inviting like this offense and stirring up uh, people's, anger and interest and conversation. And I think we're afraid of that. I mean, we are so afraid. So afraid of it. And let me just, let me ask, let me ask you guys, who persecuted Jesus and the early church? We like to think it was Rome. Because that's who put some of them to death. Democrats. <laughs> no, it wasn't the Democrats. <laughs> who persecuted the the early church? It was the religious institution. Yeah. Jews would actually follow Paul around and and say bad things about him uh, in Corinth, in a completely Gentile city. They would mm. come in and they would bring disorder. Not the unsaved. Un- See, we like to think the persecution that we're we got to stand so strong against the world mm. that persecution is going to come mm. against us from the world. Oh man, I think it's going to start from the religious people in our churches. That's where persecution is going to begin. I'm not saying that it won't extend past that because I think, I think we have some biblical evidence that it will. But I think persecution always begins if you're preaching the true gospel from inside the church walls. Yeah, it's something about our self-preservation, right? We, we get yeah. our institution just what, how we like it, the way that benefits me, and then I don't want anyone messing with it. Yeah. That's a human nature. No, I'm not inviting persecution from, from the people listening. <laughs> I don't want it. I don't want it. But I know that I that it's okay when we get people that are mad or upset about stuff that we might say. I think it's an opportunity in the church to really lean into, learn, and grow in the art of healthy dialogue. We've yeah. got to figure that out. We've got to forget what's going on in the world, the media, wherever, how they're doing it. Let's reshape how we do dialogue in a way that really is fruitful, respectful. It can happen. And gosh, I, I feel like that's what I've seen this week is so much really good dialogue between people who don't agree, and yet they're choosing to go, huh, that, i got to chew on that. Yeah, we're well, gonna that's do a, healthy. We're going to do a series in the fall called Radical Kinship, all based around how love uh, weaves its way through relationships. Mm. And I think we've seen it front and center this week, yeah. Mike. I think we've seen people that have chosen love over their ideologies. They're not, they're, by the way, um, I'm not saying we should all have a different ideology and different morals and lower the standards. I'm not at all. Um, but how do we interact with one another uh, with people that have different ideologies and ethic and moral? How, that's really what the issue is. And we've seen that in the church, I think, this week where people are, are being respectful, loving in their conversations with one another. And their emails to me. <laughs> and that's that's something that really doesn't exist outside the church right now. No, no. In some places it does. But really, we could be a leader in that actual yes. discourse and dialogue uh, that is not just civil, but that really cares about the person across the table. Uh, outrage is so unhelpful in accomplishing, um, you know, constructive conversation. Yeah. Like, I'm, for instance, I'm... I almost talk, I almost started talking about abortion on Sunday, but I was like, man, I've already talked about a lot of other things. I'm not going to go there because it's a it's a it's a deeper issue, and uh, in terms of there's real hurt in our church of people who have 
both experienced that. Um, who and so I, I didn't I didn't want to go there anyway. The idea that um, I can't love someone who has, in some people's opinions, so violated the word of God by doing something um, is so wrong. I mean, we, love requires us to 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 be empathetic and to see life from someone else's perspective. It requires that. That's what the incarnation is. Mm. You know, that Jesus came and took on our flesh. So we must, we are, we're required. So rather than just saying, I'm opposed to abortion or whatever the moral issue might be, to say that I want to understand mm-hmm. why people sometimes feel like that's the only option for them. What's going on there? I don't even, I mean, I don't know, right? So I think love requires a deeper conversations than religion does religion just say i I don't i don't believe in it sorry you guys are out you're out of the club you don't you don't belong because of what you do what you did love love says no everybody can belong everybody can be in it it actually doesn't matter what you do i'm I'm convinced of it it matters what you believe (laughs) it matters who you believe in more than what you do i'm gonna get in trouble for that one (laughs) I think most of our podcast listeners will probably be cool with it, though. So <laughs> just keep that going. Uh, so it sounds like we're going to keep having these conversations, and that's what I love. I think about um, where we're at as a church. We have weeks like this. Some places, some people would get any backlash at all. And be like, okay, sorry, never do that again. I apologize. <laughs> we won't talk about this. Let's just go back to things we can all agree on. Uh, but I don't think we're there. I think we'll keep leaning into this. I think your teaching will keep pushing uh, buttons uh, on purpose sometimes, maybe inadvertently sometimes, but seeing what what God will do and to change us, change how we think, transform us and not just, um, I don't know, re, reaffirm what we already think. Yeah, we need, we need a new narrative, Evan. Christianity needs a new storyline. Um, otherwise, uh, people are not going to have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And that at the end of the day, I mean, I don't want anybody to... To go one more day, let alone eternity, without having been, having a relationship, knowing that they can have a relationship with God that isn't dependent on what they do or have done, but is completely dependent on the grace that Jesus Christ has shown us. Some would say the old storyline works just fine. Mm. Even that old time religion, Steve. Come on, old time religion. <laughs> you're gonna start, you're gonna break into song right now. No, 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 no. Okay, well, uh, I think this week we're going to have a conversation with um, your therapist. Yeah, one of my therapists. I've got many. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I, he's, he actually started as uh, a therapist and it ended up being more of a friendship. And so I've got a new therapist. Um, but um, Bill Mankey uh, started Water Cup Counseling in Redmond. It's now he has offices in Bend and Madras as well as Redmond. And he's going to be with us to have a conversation about mental health. Super excited about this, Evan. I mean, it's, it's, it's timely. I believe we're in a crisis. Um, in not only in our nation but in our community, suicide rates are up, um, depression rates are up, and um, and I, and there's no easy answers. But um, Bill's going to help us begin a conversation about what we as the people of God might, how we might look at that, that those issues, and how we might respond to them. It's mm, great. And we'll be back here to discuss that with Bill. So I hope you can tune in to next podcast for that. Uh, would love to hear your thoughts on this topic. If you haven't already emailed the church this week about this, uh, we'd love to. M. Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> we'd love to 
hear all of your supportive emails at hello. Just kidding. Any, any emails are great. Love your feedback. Hello at behindthemessage.org. Uh, all our podcasts are archived there. And of course, um, our messages are at westsidechurch.org. We'll be back next week with therapist Bill Menke. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.